So grateful that you're all joined us today. This is a day that the Lord has made, and I believe that he's got great plans in it. Amen. And uh, we're, we're kind of going to shift a little bit from what we were originally going to uh, talk about. We're in our sixth week of this series called I Heart Summer, and we've been exploring the matters of the heart. Uh, the heart is so important, and through Scripture, uh, you see more than prayer, more than faith. The, the Scripture mentions your heart more than even some of those big topics. And so we've been looking at how important it is for, as the Word says, to guard our heart, to pay attention uh, to what our heart is allowing. And so I'm uh, going to talk today about the heart of intercession, interceding. Uh, we're kind of changing a little bit because we're going to step in and inter- intercede on behalf of a family of our church. So we'll do that today. Next week, I'm going to talk about a perplexed heart. Uh, a perplexed heart, if you find yourself going, what is going on? (laughs) I'm not sure what's happening in my life or in this world. I'm I'm very perplexed by this. Uh, God gives us a lot of great examples and instructions to do uh, when we have that. And then the last week, we're going to finish the series, and um, I'm going to address the overturning of Roe versus Wade. It's really important for Christians to understand what the Bible says about that, but not only what the Bible says about it, but how we're called to walk and love our neighbor and connect with those in need. And um, as you know, as a church, we're one that's very committed to uh, helping with unplanned pregnancies and young people. Uh, We're in partnership with Positive Options and a great ministry here in town. And so it's just been a, a hard of ours always. And um, that's not a political statement. That's just a biblical truth. Amen. And uh, but it's really, 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 really crazy important uh, that we walk in love and uh, don't get haughty. You know, don't 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 get uh, up on our high horse. Um, And so God has called us for a time as this. You're living in the earth for a time as this and for this time. And so it's important that we know what the truth is. So that's the final Sunday of this series uh, coming up at the end of the month. So um, I'm going to pray here in just a minute. But before I do, I want to kind of let you in on some family business. Um, you know, as a church, you make plans and you set structures and, and, and you have visions and you put things on the calendar. But at the end of the day, this is a spirit-led church. Can I get an amen? At the end of the day, our programs don't matter. Any of our ideas don't matter. Um, our creativity comes from God anyway. So if we think we have a good idea, uh, God always has a better idea. And, um, and so as much as we had a plan for this week, um, that got put to the side when we received news uh, at the early part of this week that a family in our church, the Aronson family, their young daughter, Hannah, a uh, teenager, uh, 18 years old, uh, got in a car crash and was ejected from the car. This is Hannah here. And uh, they're a big part of our church. And uh, as a matter of fact, this family, you would notice them on a Sunday after service tearing down, part of our teardown team. They do it as a family. The Aronson family, were so proud of them because they're one of those families that they believe in training up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. So you'd see their family uh, serving here and just loving on people well. And so We woke up to the news uh, overnight that she was in a coma and uh, the doctors uh, removed a part of her skull to be able to reduce the swelling. And of course, whenever, and this isn't anything negative against a a medical professional, but medical professionals begin to diagnose things like brain damage and paralysis and uh, things like that. And uh, and so we just believe that we serve a God who does restoration. We serve a God full of power. Can I get an amen? We serve a God who still moves in signs and wonders. Uh, Our God is not man-made. Uh, Our God is also not dead. And so we get to step in as a church and we get to believe and intercede on behalf of her healing and her restoration. And we had communion scheduled to be today. And uh, we're going to continue with communion because here's what I love about communion. Communion is where we come together as one and we commune with God and with each other. And so it puts us in unity. And the scripture talks very much about when people are in unity, there's great power. Amen. So we're going to come together in communion in just a minute. But I want to talk specifically on this gift that we've been given from God 
called intercession. The ability to be able to pray on behalf of somebody else, be able to speak life and pray and help somebody when they can't help. I believe that when a church gathers like this, a church family comes together and we begin to pray and intercede, even when somebody might be in a coma, I believe that God can still do a work through us on their behalf. Amen. The problem with churches is, you know, we got all these churches. The reason we've lost power, we, we, we want to be spirit filled, led by God. Uh, we want to be a powerful church. We got too many powerless churches. It's because we've gotten so addicted or so stuck on programs and structures and calendars. And uh, even some churches have said, hey, no, our mission is to just be people filled. We're going to compromise the truth. We're not going to do anything that might make someone feel uncomfortable. We just want to make sure we get a lot of people here. But I believe like the book of Acts, the more that you preach uh, God's truth and his power and uh, all that God died on the cross for, Jesus died on the cross for us to access. I believe when you do that, God does fill the church. Scripture says in the book of Acts, when they lived that way, that even more was continued to be added to them. Amen. And so that's just our desires. We're going to be the people who, who move and follow the spirit and not our own plan. And so that's what we're going to do today. Um, I love that lyric that we just sang in that line. It says, uh, until he returns or calls me home, I'm going to do what? I'm going to stand here in the what? Power of Christ. Yeah. The power of Christ. I'm going to believe that God is calling us to walk and live and inhabit uh, our towns and our territories with power. Amen? Yeah. All right, I'm preaching already, but i got to pray. So let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for this day that you have made. Lord, I thank you that you have, again, great plans in it. And Lord, we, uh, we just lay down every distraction, every hindrance. Lord, we even lay down every resistance. And we say, Lord, speak to us, teach us, encourage us today. God, we come against any distraction, whether here or online or uh, outside of here. God, we, we pray that you give us the crystal clear ability to hear you and know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus uh, gave us this pattern, which we're going to kind of follow today. Uh, as he would go town to town teaching, uh, there was sort of this pattern you could see. He would be someone who was teaching. So he would come and he would give you instruction and he would give you sort of like intelligent, like more facts. He would give you teachings and then he would shift into preaching, preaching a little more inspirational. He's like casting more hope and he's maybe telling you of things of the future or in heaven and it's preaching. So it's more helpful. And then after that, you would see times of healing, teaching, preaching, healing, teaching, gives you the understanding, preaching gives you the inspiration, and that creates a great territory for healing to take place. And so I want to do the same thing today. I want to teach us. I want to look at scripture, but I'm going to share some things that are going to encourage you and inspire you, going to kind of preach us up. But then I believe that we're all going to come together in unity and uh, we're going to contend and we're going to believe and we're going to go after healing, not just for Hannah, but for anybody who is struggling and in need of restoration. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I didn't give the team any of these verses because I have a million of them. I'd encourage you to maybe write them down or watch this back later. But I'm going to go fast through these, but I really just want to set the point. 1 Corinthians 4.20, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it's a matter of power. The kingdom of God, the way that God's kingdom works, should be one that looks powerful. So when people say, oh, signs and wonders and the miraculous, that was all for the disciples. That was back in the old days. You know, God doesn't move that way anymore. We ought to just be a community of people who talk about. No, no, the kingdom of God is one of power. Can I get an amen today? The kingdom of God. You know, when Jesus went to the cross and died, not only for our sins and for our freedom, but also for our healing and our wholeness. How many know he didn't buy the light package? He got the total victory package. And so there's no circumstance that's like, well, maybe if this, then maybe God could do this and he knows the loophole. No, he's got total victory over death, hell, and the grave. Can I get an amen? And so we live and we move and we contend that way. 
Whenever there's an opportunity or a challenge or a situation, we say, oh, thank God that I'm found in Christ and Christ has total victory. And so we contend for the miraculous because the kingdom of God is one of power. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 in the Passion Translation says this, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. You know, there wasn't an expiration date on continually. Continually experience the unmeasurable. You can't fathom it. You won't understand the power that God wants to move in in your life through faith. Then it says, then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. God wants you and he wants this story with Hannah. He wants this to be a story that people look at and say, wow, look at the immense power of God. Maybe your story, maybe beyond Hannah's, whatever it is, maybe it's an addiction or a hopelessness or something, but God's desire is through faith and through the work of the Holy Spirit and the power of the cross that you can walk and display this immense power. Says this mighty power, and then verse 20, it says, that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. Um, Just so you know, the enemy has no doctrine of defeat. There's no ability. He's not holding any kind of card. It says that Jesus through the cross is the, it said what? Supreme authority. There is no move that the devil can make that, that, that allows him to overcome God. And so when we stand in the word and we stand in the truth and we stand in his power and that he moves in power, we can see total victory. Can I get an amen? John chapter 14, verse 12 says it this way. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the father and I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Let me set this up. Jesus is ascending to heaven and he's getting ready to say this to his disciples. Hey, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to go to heaven, but I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. We have access to this Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, when you're a Christ believer, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. So we have this helper, which the Holy Spirit is definition is power, dunamis, like power where we get the word dynamite. So saying, hey, it's better that I go because I'm sending you this helper, this Holy Spirit that's going to give you power. It's going to give you the ability to help. And he says, and now and now, because you have the Holy Spirit and because I've ascended to heaven and I'm interceding on behalf, you're going to be able to do even greater things than I'm doing. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He opened blind eyes. He took people's hands who were withered and saw them put back to restoration. He saw skin diseases that were withered and wrinkled and and beyond restored. There was no Mary Kay that was fixing that, okay? (laughs) And Jesus was like, oh, we can do that because he's the restorer of all things. How are you with me? And he says, I did those things, but you as a believer with the help of the Holy Spirit are going to be able to walk in even more of this. There's a preacher out there who I won't mention, but he says this, I can't think of anything more delusional than for a believer to think that they're going to do greater miracles than what Jesus did. He's totally throwing out this scripture right here where Jesus himself said, you will do. Bill Johnson says, God's expectation should be the expectation of the church. God's expectation of you is to walk in the miraculous or do the impossible. It hangs in our house. The expectation of the church It's not to pray the Lord's will, I guess, okay, maybe God will be nice to you today. No, God's saying, I've given you the Holy Spirit, the helper. Because let me just tell you this, God's will is to heal and restore and make all things new. That is his will. 
And so we pray God's will for healing. You know, that scripture says that we pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come on earth as in heaven. How I many you know there's no cancer in heaven? There's no coma in heaven. There's no brain injury in heaven. And so we pray, I want that here now is what we were instructed to pray. So God's plan is for us to walk in the miraculous. God's expectation is, hey, you can do even greater things if we pray and ask the Father according to his will. Can I get an amen? Yeah. I was driving home from the country yesterday, and um, I'm talking like Robinson Township country. Like, you hear more gunshots out there than, uh, than uh, like, cars going by. And it's not like Chicago, Detroit gunshots. It's just rednecks, you know. <laughs> Might be more Tannerite out there than gunshots, actually. But anyway, driving home, you drive through the country, and you get all that stuff stuck on the front of your car, right? All the bugs and all the junk. Well, my daughter's got a 10-year-old and a 4-year-old on Monday. She turns 4 on Monday, so time to up the chores. You know, that's what I look forward to. Uh, You're 4 now. You better. (laughs) But uh, anyway, so they came out, and they saw a butterfly had gotten hit in the front of my truck, stuck on the front of the truck. And so my daughter, she's 10. She takes the butterfly off and she takes it over to the side of the side of the garage and puts it in the grass. She said, I pray that you be healed in Jesus name. God healed this butterfly. Because we, we, we and then my little one came right behind her, says the same thing. Yeah, I pray God that you heal that butterfly and that all my best friends come to my birthday party on Monday. <laughs> she slipped in a selfish one. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. But people say, Pastor, why, why, why would you? Tell people that God wants to heal every time. Why would you tell people that God wants to restore? Why are you going to get their hopes up? Why are you going to get their hopes up? And say, Listen, I would much rather get to heaven and God say, and, and, and me be in the air. I'd much rather get to heaven and find out, oh, yeah, you know what? You shouldn't have got all those people's hopes up versus get to heaven and God be like, you were a pastor. You're meant to encourage the people. How come you weren't a hope giver and a hope speaker and a life giver? How many are with me? But we got these religious institutions that walk around and be like, don't get anybody's hopes up. Let's just see what the Lord's will. Let's I know what the Lord's will is, is to see signs, wonders, restoration, healness, wholeness. He paid for it. Can I get amen? So I will. I'll raise my kids to pray for the butterfly. I'll raise my kid to just practice praying and practice praying because someday they're going to be a teenager and they're going to find a friend who's hopeless and struggling with suicide. And my teenage girl's going to say, hey, you know what? Can I pray for you so that you can find freedom? Because God's desire is to heal your heart in this moment. Let's train up our children the way that they should go. Signs, wonders, the miraculous. I think we're all sick of dead church. Can I get amen today? People say, oh, what if he doesn't answer your prayers? What if he doesn't answer your prayer? What if he does? What if he does? Also, what if it was your daughter? What if it was your brother, your sister? How would you want me to pray? You would want us to rally the church family and intercede on their behalf. Can I get an amen? I don't care if only one out of every 1,000 prayers God answers in the way that I'm asking to answer it. I would still pray a 1,000 more times the next time. Can I get an amen? We continue to pray and we continue to pray. Proverbs chapter three, verse five says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The religious mindset says like, well, don't pray until you understand it all, till you can figure it all out, until you get it all. No, I'm gonna pray and believe for a miracle even when I don't understand how it's all gonna work. When the doctors say, oh, it's gonna be a long recovery. Oh, they're gonna maybe face this challenge and that challenge and this will never come around. This will come and never come. I don't understand how God's gonna do it, but he's gonna do it. The verse we all know goes on to say, in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. We serve a God who makes paths straight. But how do we do it? We got to give up our understanding. 
Now, we still pursue his word and look for his truth, but we don't wait to contend and believe for the miraculous until we understand it. No, we say, God, I believe you're a God who makes these crooked paths straight. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. This word hope here means this. It's to expect at any moment something amazing is going to happen. That's what the hope is here. It's I'm expecting at any moment something amazing is going to happen. It's not Eeyore faith that goes like this. Well, I hope God would do something good here, but maybe he won't. No, it's I'm hopeful that any moment God could bust on the scene and do the miraculous in this. And I'm believing that's what God can do in our lives. Amen. Uh, The scripture says it this way. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We've got to learn to get into that faith territory of God. I don't understand it. There's a crooked path in my life. I don't understand it. But I'm walking in faith, believing that you can move here. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26 says it this way. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We look at this situation, oh, it's cancer, oh, it's, it's a coma, it's, it's all these kind of things. Oh, no, we've seen a thousand of these cases, it just doesn't get... With man, it's impossible. But with God, what did he say? All things are possible. No, this kind of injury, they don't ever know. With all things are possible. And that's what we're going to go after, is all things, amen? James 5.13 says this, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And a prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Why would this be included in here if it wasn't for us today? Elders of the church, you go to the church leadership, you connect with your brother and sister in church and you say, hey, we need to be restored. We need to be raised up. And I believe that's going to be the testimony for Hannah. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says this, that God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Do you know that if you read the New Testament, it says many times as Jesus was healing and healing and healing, it says that Jesus then healed them all. There's one time you see in scriptures where it says that Jesus didn't do mighty many or many mighty miracles. It says that he didn't, some translations say that he couldn't do many mighty miracles. It's not that he wasn't capable as God. It's that the people weren't receiving. They weren't willing to do it. It was in his hometown. But all the other instances of healing opportunities, it says Jesus healed them all. And so if he's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same forever, how many believe that Jesus still heals? So intercession is this gift that God gave us. It's this thing that he said, hey, I'm going to give you this superpower called the ability to intercede on others' behalf. I believe it's, a, it's, it's important because it also gives us balance. It's like God knew, like, uh, you know, we're going to have some pretty selfish people, and they're only going to pray prayers for themselves. So let's make sure they understand this thing called intercessory prayer where they can go on behalf of others and pray. It gives us good balance. But Romans 12, 12 says this, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, consistent, faithful, steady in our prayer. It says you can be joyful when you have hope. Well, it's a, something I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I don't I have hope for it, but I can't see it. Back to the faith scripture, I can't see it. Well, you can be joyful while you're holding on to hope. It's a promise God has for you. I don't know how this is going to work out, and I have hope that it's going to work out. You can find joy in that. But then it says be patient in affliction. Because a lot of times when we're afflicted, we're quick to quit. Ah. I don't like this. This isn't working. Let's just get rid of it all. Ah. 
And so in our affliction, we're just quick to throw it all away. And the scriptures say, no, 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 patient in your affliction, patient. Uh, this isn't very biblical. Uh, I can't prove it in scripture, I should say, but my mentor teaches me this. Um, he says, sometimes when we're waiting for something to come together, God, why is this taking so long? Why is this, why, why am I waiting so long for this promise? Why has this been so long? Why is this? He says, sometimes what God is building on the other side of the mountain is so great that, that he's got to make the climb along. Usually the climb is in comparison to the greatness that he's building on the other side. And we've all had that testimony like, man, why is this taking so long? God, I just wish that you would. And then you finally get to the end of the climb and you see what he made and you go, oh, okay. Patient in affliction. You just keep pressing on. That's why the scripture says that you, you, don't, you don't look back. You put your hand to the plow. You just keep going. Amen. Yeah. And then it says faithful in prayer. We get to be faithful in prayer. God gave us this superpower called prayer. It's not a super chore. It's not a super chore. It's not a burden. It's not this big task. He's like, this is your superpower as a believer. You get to pray and intercede on other people's behalf. The definition of intercession is the act of intervening on someone else's behalf. We get to do that. Uh, I said in first service, wouldn't it be so weird if Superman walked around like, oh, this burden of super strength. Oh, this ability to fly. What a real chore. It's like, no, that's your strengths. I, I think he has those. <laughs> I don't know. But this, this whole like, no, 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 that's your, that's your strength. And as believers, like we have this ability to go to our father on behalf of others and intercede on behalf of others and see God move. Amen. Psalm 618 says this, pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. This is a scripture that's telling us we pray for everybody. We're in a place not just for selfish prayer. We're praying for everybody. We're interceding on other people's behalf. Uh, if you've ever heard me preach a prayer sermon, I've used this point every time. But the Barner Research Group says this. says that you will, the average American, Christian American, spends more time cosmetically in a day than you do in prayer. Meaning you put on your deodorant, you brush your teeth. Thank you, by the way. But you brush your hair, you get yourself right. You will spend more time cosmetically in a day than you will praying or connecting or interceding uh, with the maker of heavens and earth. This God who sits at the right hand of the father, this Jesus who the scripture says is interceding on our behalf. And we're like, you know, I'm going to put a little bit more time into this curl. Got to get this beard looking tight, right? You got to, it's like, no, 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 this, this power that we have. To go to our Father and to intercede, uh, we do such a, a terrible job stewarding that. First Timothy chapter 2 says this, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving may be made for all people, for kings and for those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. It says, I want your prayer to be first of all. Now, that doesn't mean first in the day. Everybody gets real religious about this. Like, oh, prayer better be the first thing I do in the morning. No, go to the bathroom and get your coffee. Those are important. Like, you get that. <laughs> but it's saying in your heart, prayer needs to be first of all. Intercession needs to be first of all. Meaning you see somebody or, or you look at somebody and you say, man, maybe something's off in there. So first of all, in my heart, I'm going to intercede on their behalf. I wrote it down like this. Prayer is not meant to be a thing we do. It's meant to be the first thing we do. We pray. And if we want to see our communities changed and we want to see people restored, intercession is a vital part of a strong community. You will, know how, you will not have a community-changing church without a vital intercessory group. Scripture says that God's looking down in Isaiah 59. God's looking down in Isaiah 59, 16, and it says this. It said that he saw that there was no man 
and wondered that there was no intercessor. The scripture says that he was, uh, the translation is that he was stunned or appalled that there was no intercessor. I hope it's not said about my life and this church life and our community life that, that God looks over Zealand and God looks over Holland and God looks over Vertical Church and goes, I'm stunned. Where, where's the intercessor? I'm appalled that nobody is interceding on behalf of those with great need. Can I get an amen? There's two types of intervention uh, that we see when it's intercessory prayer. Uh, there's the defense. So a defense prayer would be one where you're saying, God, I pray that you protect them. Lord, I pray that you put a hedge of protection around them. Or, or uh, it's sort of a defender prayer. God, we're praying on behalf of those that you protect them and you take care of them. And, and you're praying a protection one. Another one would be like a connection. God, I'm praying that, that you connect them to what they need to be connected to. God, I pray that you align them with what they need to get aligned to. Go get them in the right place. And you can, you can do that on behalf. And how many know parents of teenagers, you know all about intercessory prayer. You're constantly praying protection and alignment and protection. Uh, in alignment. And so it's important for us to understand that there's these types uh, of prayer. I thought about it like this. Um, when your kids are little, uh, this was an example I gave of intercessory prayer. When your kid's little, like two, you know, maybe she's walking around, he's walking around just a little bit. But if something really exciting happens over there, the brothers and the sisters, they're over there and the little one wants to get to there. Instead of trying to call over there or to get over there, they come over here and like, pick me up, pick me up, bring me there. And that's what intercessory prayer is. It's saying, hey, hey, you know what? You can't maybe get it on your own right now, but I'm going to be a connector for you. I'm going to pick you up, and I'm going to take you to what God has for you. And so we get to do that as a church and as a people. Hey, I know you're stuck in addiction, and hey, I know you're bound in hopelessness, and hey, I know you got this thing going on, but let me come in around you and intercede and carry you to what God has for you. That's this power, this ability that we have with intercessory prayer. You know, in the Old Testament, the Scripture said only the priest could do this. Think about this honor that we have. Again, it's not a chore or a task. This is, this is a power that God gave us to be able to walk in. In the Old Testament, only priests could go do intercession. Only a priest could go to God on behalf of man or go to man on behalf of God. But the scripture says after Jesus went to the cross and died and rose again, he said that we're now all called kings and priests, which means we now have the ability to go to God on behalf of man or man on behalf of God. How many know that's good news? Yeah, yeah. Intercessory prayer. There's a few more types here, and then we're going to move into some communion, and then we're going to pray for Hannah and the family uh, as a church corporately. But James 5.16 talks about how personally we can connect and pray with others through intercession. Uh, James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. When we come in with one another and we say, look, this is what I got going on. And these are the things that I'm struggling with. And another person can say, hey, let me intercede with you. The scripture says that we can find healing in that, healing in that. We see in the early church, it was important to the early church for us to walk in intercession. Acts 12, 5 says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly, here it is again, consistently, faithfully, earnestly praying for God to God for him. I love this, that they were so committed to their intercessory prayer that Peter actually got out of jail and came to the house and like had to knock on the door. No one was answering. They're in there like, God, we pray that you set Peter free. And Peter's like, I'm here. <laughs> Let me in. Wouldn't it be awesome if we were so committed to intercessory prayer that God's setting people free everywhere and we don't even notice? We're just praying so much. We're so committed. So the early church prayed. We see Jesus prayed intercession. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. That's the, the protection and the connection he's praying. 
And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So he said, look, I'm praying. The enemy's after you, but I'm praying that you have strength, and I'm praying that you have enough strength to go back and strengthen your brothers. An intercessory prayer of strength Jesus modeled for us. And then how many know in heaven, Romans chapter 8, verse 34, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding on our behalf. This cosmic, huge, massive prayer that's happening, we get to be a part of it. And that's why we don't shuffle our feet and say, oh, best wishes, good luck, God bless you. No, we say, oh, okay, the enemy came to destroy, but we're going to link up in intercession with what heaven is praying and interceding, and we're going to push back the gates of hell that God promises will not prevail, amen? And that's what the body's meant to be. That's what we get to do, but we got to get that passion in our heart. I said it like this, you care for what you care about. If you care about something, if you care about it, you care for it. If we say we care about our community, we care about our, feather brother, our other brother and sister, then you should show care to it. Uh, we had a storm this week, of course, many of you know, and so as it's storming, I'm laying in bed and I'm hearing the storm. I don't care about the little tykes toys in the backyard. I'm not going to get up and check on those things. I'm not going to go care for them because I don't care about them. I just don't care. But in the middle of the night, as it's storming, if I begin to hear the kids whimper, uh-oh, kids heard the storm, uh-oh, did somebody get scared, what's going on? Oh, I, because I care about them, they need to be cared for. So I say, Jess, the kids are up. <laughs> you better go. You care about them more than I do. You should go. Checked on the dog. Okay, my dog's good. We're good. But we need to put some more love for our neighbor back in our heart. We don't need to see these situations and things happen and go, oh, man, that's terrible for them, oh, and move on. We say, oh, no, how can we move in and care? How can we come alongside and cook meals and help people and take care of kids and, and do all these things that we can do to help? How many are with me? Because you care about, you care for what you care about, and that's what God has called us to do. All sorts of reasons. Paul is writing, and Paul's the, the godfather of the faith in the New Testament, and uh, all throughout his writings, it's so interesting. I, I read a whole bunch of them in first service, but for time's sake, I won't. But in all of his writings to the church and to other believers, he's writing, he's not saying, hey, just so everybody knows, we're crushing it out here. We're reaching a lot of people. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and get our podcast. You know, if you're not following the YouTube page, we're getting thousands of views. Like, our ministry is really taking off. God's really blessed us. No. In all of his writings, he's writing to the people, and he's saying, guess what? I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God strengthens you. I'm so proud of you, and I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for you. A whole pile of those. And then he also says, hey, pray for us. Because he understood this power of intercession and this, like, I'm making sure you know I'm praying for you, but I'm asking that you pray for me. Because if this thing is going to grow and we're going to make a difference, we have to have this lifestyle of intercession and meeting the need and believing that God moves in power. Can I get an amen? It, well, I keep saying it bothers me, but I don't want anyone to feel hurt by this. But it's, it, like, it like breaks my heart. Like It's like a record scratch when I hear this. But people will come up to me and they'll go, Pastor, I hate to do this. I just, I don't want to burden you. I just hate to ask, but will you pray for me? I'm like, hate to ask? What do you, this is what we do. We pray for one another. This is what we're in it for. We're, we're, we're called to be alongside each other. Uh, we saw that the scripture says um, God uh, is looking down. You remember Cain murders Abel. Uh, Cain murders Abel, and, and heaven looks down and, uh, and, and says to Cain, he's like, hey, Where's Abel? 
And uh, of course, he knows that he murdered him. He says, where's Abel? And, and Cain goes, Cain goes, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? It's not my, you know, my problem. And God goes, well, actually, you are. Actually, it is your problem. If somebody else is hurting, it's your problem. If somebody else is in need of restoration, it's our problem. We're, we're called to do this thing together. So this posture of like, oh, man, I can't believe they got themselves in that situation. No, no, we're called. Are you with me? To be together in this. That's why intercessory is so important, and that's why our Saturday morning prayer is so important. I'm so proud of the way that our church prays. Every Saturday morning, uh, the average church, uh, less than, I think it's 5%, less than 5%. Actually, I think it's 3% of church attendance is usually what a prayer meeting is, 3%. Uh, Our church average is about 10% or just over. However, 10% is still not enough. The one time a month, every single Saturday, where we come together, and it's our opportunity to do this, to live out the New Testament church and intercede and pray on the behalf of our community. I mean, you know, that should be one of the most packed out things we have as a church. And I love the fun activities and all the other kind of things we do, but just 12 times a year, let's do like what the scripture says, put that prayer as our first thing. That's why it's the first Saturday of every month. We're a little bit strategic, you know what I'm saying? It's the first Saturday of every month. We say we're going to put this first because intercessory prayer matters. Amen.